wrap up your conversation. The, the, the thing I, I, I hope you noticed is, is that it was quite a small number of people that stood up in the 15 to 35-year-old age bracket. I mean, that was, I was a bit broad and nondescript in it, but, but that's the thing I hope that you uh, noticed in particular. And I'm not sure what your discussion was and why you thought that that is. I've mentioned many times that the um, research shows that 70% of kids who grew up in the church in Australia walk away from the church, so that's 18 to 35-year-olds. Um, if you ask me, a devastating statistic, but a true one, and one that is probably worse, um, potentially worse at St. Philip's uh, in terms of that generation of um, 15 to 35-year-olds. And I'm not sure what reasons you discussed in your group, um, but I, I want to suggest to you uh, this morning that, that a reason, maybe the reason um, for it, um, is, can be illustrated by, by a relay race. Uh, and uh, this is a picture of the American, the US um, 4x100 relay race team, the men's and the women's. And I want to, this is a picture at the 2008 Beijing Olympics. Up to this point, these teams had been absolutely dominant, winning gold uh, every time. They were, the, they were just the force to be reckoned with, uh, the US men's and women's uh, relay Olympic teams. Um, but in Beijing, they didn't even make it to the finals. Can you guess why? They dropped the baton. Can you see it? I didn't notice it first. They dropped. There it is there. And there it is there. They dropped the baton. Uh, they couldn't pass it on. They didn't pass it on. They dropped it. Now, I'm guessing the reason that many of you are here today, probably most of you are here today, is because of a faithful person who passed the baton on to you, who passed on the baton of Jesus uh, to you. If you read Malcolm's Musing, uh, it was a guy called Ron Pierce. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it in the, um, in the pew sheet, in the handout. For me, it was a youth minister called Tim Pace who reached out to me uh, as quite a sad and somber 15-year-old. And then it was Andrew Harper who was the youth and young adults minister at my church, who, who invested in me, who believed in me. And then uh, at Bible college, it was a guy, Reese Bazant, who became my mentor. These precious men who passed the baton on of faith to me. And um, that's, uh, that's the vision. That's our hope. There's, um, I wonder if you can think of who that was for you. Uh, who, who were those people for you who passed the baton of Jesus on to you. Um, this uh, same group, Barna, they did this research. It was a global study across the whole world. They did it in partnership with World Vision of um, interviewing more than 15,000 young adults that grew up in the church. And one of the other questions that they asked them to either agree or disagree with, and they asked over a thousand young adults who grew up in the church in Australia, was this I often feel like someone believes in me. Uh, whether they agree or disagree with that. I often feel like someone believes in me. And uh, only 30% of Australian young adults were able to agree with that statement. 30% uh, of young adults who grew up in church can say they often feel like someone believes in me. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I'm so glad for Andrew Harper, for uh, Reese Bazant, uh, for... Uh, uh, Tim Pays and for my parents who, who believed in me. And, and not only did they believe in me, they believed more importantly in the power of the gospel 
to change me and to transform my life because that's what's happened and it was because they did believe in me and they believed in the power of the gospel to transform and change. Uh, just a fun fact, uh, in South Africa it's 42% of um, young adults can say that they feel that uh, there's someone, often uh, someone who believes in them. Uh, the, de- the, the demographics can be quite different and Australia sort of performs worse, if you like, um, with these young adults. Uh, and, um, and so today we're thinking about um, passing on the baton. That's the study. And I want to talk about this baton because I don't know if you saw it in the reading, 2 Timothy 2 um, verse 2, but you kind of get this picture of a relay race uh, in 2 Timothy 2 2. So he says... Uh, This is Paul saying to Timothy, the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses pass on to reliable people who will also be able to teach others. Can can you see that there's a baton that's being passed on? Can you see how many um, uh, runners there are in the race, in in this particular race? Uh, How many are there? Paul says to Timothy... The things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses pass on to reliable people. So Timothy, pass them on to reliable people. And what do those reliable people need to do? They need to teach qualified others. Isn't that amazing? So, so, you, so you've got four generations in mind. Paul, Paul's got four generations in mind. And I, I just think this matches so beautifully with our, our mission at St. Philip's. Do you, know, do you know what our mission is that we've said? Our mission is making disciples who make disciples. So it's not just making disciples, the test that, oh yeah, I'm making disciples. No, 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 that's not the test, that's not the measure. Uh, It's making disciples who then go on and make disciples. And actually, if you want to use 2 Timothy 2.2, our mission should be making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Uh, But it doesn't quite have the same ring to it, so it's just making disciples who make disciples disciples. Uh, Can you see the importance of of keeping the further generations uh, in in your mind so so that it's not just making disciples? He's thinking uh, three generations ahead. Uh, And I love it as well because our vision at St. Philip's is is growing young. Uh, Our mission is making disciples who make disciples and our vision is growing young. And and what have you got in 2 Timothy 2.2? What have you got in, 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 in that? You've got an older man Paul, growing young. He's passing on and training a younger man, Timothy. Uh, in, in, and, then, and then there's younger, further generations still uh, to pass this baton on. Uh, and so our vision is, is growing young. Uh, one definition of vision, which I really like, is, is a picture of the future that inspires passion in the present. A picture of the future that inspires passion in the present. I want to share one picture I have of the future for St. Phillips that inspires my passion in the present. But, but first, the present reality um, is that uh, I think you could say, I think this is right, that you could say the last five kind of church leaders uh, at St. Phillips um, were trained at other churches uh, and, and those churches trained them up and sent them to St. Phillips uh, to, to to, to lead and to disciple. So, so Malcolm, uh, James, Barb, myself, and now Kate Hodgkin has come on one day a week. Th- these were people who, who were trained elsewhere and then, and then they were sent here uh, to disciple. And, 
And my picture of, of St. Philip's, it would actually, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great? And, and this has probably happened, but wouldn't it be great if, if we raised up leaders here for the church? You know, we say, Luke 10 2, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask them to the Lord to raise up workers to go out into the harvest field. Well, one of the pictures of the future for me that inspires passion in the present is that God would raise up leaders for the church from here and we would send them out elsewhere. Now, now that, has, that has happened uh, and, and that's wonderful. That's to be celebrated. I'd, I'd love to see that happen more. Uh, Peter Adam is the pr- former principal of Ridley and I just got his, his prayer letter and he said, friends, the, next le- the harvest is plentiful and you know where the workers are? The workers are in your children's ministry. The workers are in your youth ministry. The workers are in your church. Uh, uh, that's where they're going to be raised up from. Uh, and so that's an exciting picture that certainly motivates me, a picture of the future. Well, um, in verse 5 of um, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, if you look, it says, in the case of an athlete, no one is crowned without competing according to the rules. No one's crowned uh, the athlete unless they compete according to the rules. And we are talking about the baton. And so I'm going to do something a bit odd, a bit different today. I'm going to actually look at three of the official rules uh, for a relay race. These are kind of the standard rules for a relay race. And and, and I want to learn from those rules, uh, from the passing on of the baton literally to the passing it on uh, metaphorically. And, uh, and, and how that can help us fulfill our mission of making disciples who make disciples and our vision of growing young. And the first rule is rule 25. There are a lot of rules, evidently. The baton shall be a smooth, hollow, circular tube made of wood, metal or other rigid material in one piece. Its length shall be 28 to th- uh, and 30 centimetres. Its circumference shall be 12 to 13 centimetres and it shall weigh not less than 50 grams. No material or substance may be applied to the baton. So, so there you go. It, the, the, there's a specific description of what the baton is. So that's the first point. It has to be the right baton. It's not just anything. So, so in verse 2, Paul says, the things that you have heard me say pass on to reliable people. Not not your religion or or your good manners or or good grades or your good looks although you you might do that inevitably with your kids anyway no no the thing to pass on is the things that you've heard me say and the wonderful thing about this friends is that we don't have to guess what he said because he wrote 13 letters in the new testament so we don't have to guess or wonder what he said that these are the things that we are to pass on uh, what he wrote makes up 28 percent of the new testament so, so these are the things, Timothy, that I want you to pass on. And it can all boil down very simply to this. Our baton is the gospel. It's the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is so important to get. I mean, it's amazing how, how, how the simple things are the things that are just so hard to, to lose. Uh, that, that we can pass on religion, we can pass on... Um, I was thinking about it before, that it's the fruit and the root, right? The gospel has all kinds of wonderful fruit, right? Like kindness and joy and social justice and um, all kinds of things. But if you give people the fruit and not the root, then they've, they can't reproduce it, right? That These things are the, are the fruit of the gospel. That's why the gospel is likened to a seed, and that's the thing that we need to pass on. Rather than reading your Bible and prayer, no, that's fruit, 
The root is the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what Tim Keller says the gospel is. The good news that through Christ the power of God's kingdom has entered history to renew the whole world. When we believe and rely on Jesus' work and record rather than ours for our relationship to God, that kingdom power comes upon us and begins to work through us. So, so it has to be the right baton. Um, that's why with the kids, the ministry that we're doing is called the Gospel Project because we're trying to, the project is passing on the baton of the gospel uh, to our children. But Don Carson points out very helpfully that that the church faces a massive challenge, especially 110-year-old churches like St. Philip's, um, with this task. Because what he sees and what you see throughout church history is this. In the first generation, the gospel is believed. In the second generation, the gospel is assumed. In the third generation, the gospel is denied. This happens everywhere, friends. Everywhere. You think of old... um, institutions that bear the name of of Christ. Uh, I want to sort of tread carefully about this, but they're not very hard to find. Uh, they, They easily lose the gospel, or the gospel has been lost altogether. Um... YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association. Have you ever noticed anything Christian about the YMCA today? Uh, the RSPCA was a gospel organisation started by William Wilberforce. Did you, know, did you even know that? That the RSPCA was a Christian, a gospel organisation started by William... You didn't even know that. See? This happens everywhere. And, and those things are far afield, friends. It happens here. It happens here. And it's a great danger for us. So it has to be the right baton. Um, Or in other words, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. (laughs) Or uh, appropriately on Reformation Sunday, today, uh, yesterday was the day that we commemorate uh, the day that Martin Luther posted his uh, 95 theses to the Castle Church uh, door in Wittenberg, um, catalyzing the Reformation uh, that, that was yesterday, October 31. Uh, so to quote Luther on, that, on this um, special Sunday, uh, he puts it like this, uh, very Lutheran. The gospel is the principal article of all Christian doctrine. Most necessary it is, therefore, that we should know this article well, teach it unto others, and beat it into their heads continually. It's very Martin Luther. It probably makes some of you cringe on the inside, but, but that, that was his way of saying uh, the same thing. So that's the first rule. It has to be the right baton. Here's another rule. Each takeover zone shall be 20 metres long, of which the scratch line is the centre. The zone shall start and finish at the edges of the zone lines nearest the start line in the running direction. Now, that is absolutely so confusing. I'm going to explain it for you. The space to pass the baton is limited. Let me show you on this screen with the yellow line. You know this already. There's an arrow there and there's an arrow there and that they have to pass the baton on not before there, otherwise they'll be disqualified, and not after there, otherwise they'll also be disqualified. Do you catch the point? The space to pass the baton is limited. Now, I think you know where I'm going with this, but I'm going to show you a clip that I think says it very well. And good, there's sound. Thank you. 
Friends, Paul says in Colossians 4 verse 5, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Uh, I want to be clear, this is uh, true uh, for biological children, but just as true for spiritual children. Because in 3 John uh, chapter 1 verse 4, uh, John says, I have no greater joy than this. Do Do you know what that is? Do you know what he says? He says, I have no greater joy than this. Do you know what the joy is? That, that he has no greater joy than. It's to see that my children are walking in the truth. That's what he says. I have no greater joy than this, to see that my children are walking in the truth. He's actually talking about spiritual children. He's talking to, about the church because they're his spiritual children. He gave birth to them through the gospel, sharing the gospel with them. Uh, it's true for biological children and for spiritual children. And, and what a great joy it is to see them walking in the truth. But... The space that we have to pass the baton is limited. Uh, And so we need to make the most of every opportunity. Uh, Even more so in church, we've got these kids, if it's just once a Sunday, we've got them for, what, half an hour a Sunday. (laughs) The time, the space we have is very limited uh, in that regard. Uh, So that's the second rule. Let's look at the third. Rule number 12. The baton shall be carried by hand throughout the race. If dropped, it shall be recovered by the athlete who dropped it. He, she may leave the assigned lane to retrieve the baton. Did you know that? They're not, they're not disqualified. Uh, they, can, they can keep running the race. So a dropped baton is not 
the end of the race. In other words, if you've stuffed it up in the past, it doesn't rule you out for the race. You can actually get back in the race. And friends, I want to tell you today that God has placed before us an incredible opportunity and an incredible challenge with the new generation of young people. I don't know what happened with the last generation, the 15 to 35-year-olds. I, I don't know why they're not here. I don't know what happened with them, but I do know that there's a new generation of young people here. Uh, did you see all those kids up the front? Uh, did you see all the kids in the video that come along to youth group? I don't know what happened to that entire generation of 15 to 35-year-olds, but I do know that there's a new generation here. And we have an incredible opportunity to get in the race and to pass this gospel on to them and to see that they, to, to make it our joy to see that they continue walking in the truth. It's almost like God's saying, where am I going to put these precious kids of mine? Who can I trust? Where is a bunch of people who, who see how precious I am? Where can I find a bunch of people who recognise how precious my son is to me? And who'll recognise how precious these kids are to me. Where, where could that be? I know. I'll put them at St Philip's. I can trust them. They know how precious I am. They know how precious Jesus is to me. They know how precious these young people are to me. I'm going I'm to put them there. I'm going to entrust these kids to them. I'm going to entrust this gospel to St Philip's. I know I can trust them. And it's almost like you said, well, actually, you know, there are nine schools in that area of Cottesloe, within two kilometres of, of that building, who barely have a chance to hear the name of Jesus. So, so I'm going to put some Phillips there. I'm, I'm going to put some Phillips right smack back, bang in the middle of all those schools. And then maybe they'll get a chance to, to hear the good news about Jesus. That's what I'll do. Friends, making disciples who make disciples is incredibly hard work. Uh, growing young is incredibly hard work. That, that's why most churches are getting old. Have you noticed? That, that's why so many churches are shutting down and getting old. Because it's actually incredibly hard work. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 though, our, our first reading, it says, let us run the race with perseverance. Ma uh, sorry, sorry, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. When it says that Jesus is the pioneer of our faith, it, it's saying that he's the trailblazer, he's gone ahead, right? He was the perfect disciple maker, he never put a foot wrong, right? He did it perfectly by the book and he made, he made disciples and he, he, he went ahead, he was the trailblazer for us. Now, and he's the pioneer, so fix your eyes on him. Now, I don't know about you, but normally when you look at someone who's that much better than you at something, it's just actually incredibly depressing to see how far short you fall, right? I mean, why do I even bother? I'll never be able to do it to that standard. I'll never be able to do it that well. I'll never be able to jump over all the th hurdles the way that that person can. Uh, but here's the thing. He's not just the pioneer of our faith. He's, he's the perfecter of our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith. In other words, he's gone ahead of us and he's won the prize. Do you know what the prize is? It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the scorn of the cross. I mean, no greater hurdle, right? 
And, and he scorned it. He, he was just like ridiculed the, the shame and the ignominy of the cross for the joy set before him. Do you know what that joy was? Do you know what his joy was? Was it the world? Was it the power and dominion? No, he, he already had power and dominion. Was it the joy of the Father? No, he already had, he already had the joy of the Father. Do, do you know what it was? The joy set before him was us. That's, the, that's what he didn't have. That's the thing that he didn't have until he endured the cross. And so he's, he's the perfecter. He's already won us. You, do you know what that means for us as we run the race? It, it means that we're not running for victory. We're running from victory. He's, he's gone ahead. It doesn't matter how bad you are at it. He, you're already his. You're, you're in Christ. He's the perfecter of your faith. Otherwise, it would be too depressing, you know, right? It's too hard. We're never going to make it. Why do I even bother? I mean, this is how I feel when I look at sin in my heart, you know. I can't overcome that burden. It's too hard. Well, no. You're not working for victory. You're working from victory. Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. So it doesn't matter how many times you drop the baton. You just get up and keep going with passing on the baton. It's like... If you're my generation, not many of you here, as we just discovered, you'll, you'll, you might remember a Chumbawamba song. It was actually about a drunk dude, but it still applies. It says, I get knocked down, but I get up again, and you're never going to keep me down. Come on. Anyone? Oh, look, there's like seven or eight of you. I get knocked down, but I get up again, and you're never going to keep me down because I'm in Christ. I've got my eyes on Jesus, the, the pioneer and perfecter of my faith. Or let's put it more biblically in, in Proverbs um, chapter 24, verse 6. He says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises. Though a righteous man falls seven times, or woman, she rises. You see, nobody likes to do stuff that they're rubbish at. So, so we, you know, when we find we're rubbish at something, we just go, no, nah, I'll just stick to my, play to my strengths and, and I'll just do that instead. But the problem is that making disciples is, is not just for the professionals, right? It's not just for, the, for the, the people who are good at it. No, no, no. No, it's for everyone. The Great Commission is for everyone. Jesus, his last words in Matthew 28 were go and make disciples. So this is not just, this is for everyone, even if you're rubbish at it, which we all are, Right? That's why we've got to fix our eyes on the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. When you fix your eyes on Jesus and you realize he's gone ahead of you, he doesn't look at you based on your record, he looks at you based on Jesus' record. So every time you fall down, you just get up and you keep on going. And it's so important that we do. It's like the words of this great hymn, which say, To see the law by Christ fulfilled, to see the law by Christ fulfilled, and hear his pardoning voice changes a slave into a child and duty into choice. Do, do, do you catch what that's saying? A, a slave get, will get booted out of the house if they stuff it up, right? Or the master's going to be angry with them if they don't get it right, right? And so, so they're running out of fear and they're going to get booted out. But that's not a child. A child belongs and, and a child will belong to it. And so and we are children, thanks to Jesus, running the race and finishing it for us because we're in him. So we started on a fairly grim note, looking at 
um, just how few people there are in our 15 to 35-year-old age bracket. But I, I want to end on a, on a higher note to encourage you that, that God is indeed at work. You will have got an infographic uh, when you came in to give a bit of an update on, on our progress towards growing young uh, in the last year. And I just want to take you through that with some slides uh, on the screen that, that are basically the same information. And there's some really cool stuff that's happened this year. So this is a bit of a snapshot. We, we've, we've got a ministry intern in the person of Kate uh, Hodgkin. She's working one day and, and ministering with our young people. Uh, we have started three mentoring relationships. So that's actually Kate meeting up with some girls and, um, and meeting up with them and, in, and investing in them, doing the work of discipleship, loving them and passing the baton on to them. This year we've started three small groups when was the last time St. Philip's started three new small groups in one year? When, when was the last time St. Philip's did that? Well, I don't know. We did it this year, and that's pretty cool. We've got three new small groups uh, for, for these teenagers, uh, and they've met 20 times in the last year, where, last, where the year before that wasn't happening. Um, our attendance at youth group has gone up. Now, if you were to measure this by any other company, I think you'd be doing pretty well. The year before last, 2019, our average attendance was 10, and in the last year it's been uh, 17. That's some pretty impressive growth, you know. Slowly but surely, uh, this, is, this is happening. Uh, and when we look at small groups, uh, we've, got, we've had about 17 coming along to small group, where we had none the year before. Our um, number of meetings in 2019 was only 20, but in the last year we've had 40 gatherings with teenagers. So we've doubled our amount of contact with them on Friday nights and I've already said about the number of, of small groups. So I, I hope you can see that, that this is happening. Let me tell you, it's incredibly hard work uh, and, and it's not the only place where it happens. It happens in homes, you guys are doing it, and it's not just young people, it's spiritual children as well, who could be 80. But I, I just want you to be encouraged that, that this is the work, and, and we need to keep it up. I said this morning we need to keep it up for 10 years, the next 10 years. We've been doing it in this solid way for one or two, we need to keep it up for 10. When I said 10, Malcolm said, no, we need to keep it up until Jesus returns. Uh, and, and that's right. Um, but but, you know, sometimes it's hard to get by a week, let alone a month, let alone a year, let alone 10 years. But I want to thank you for investing in this. I, I want to tell you that it is a joy partnering with you. And I, I want to finish with the words that we heard from Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen? Amen.